Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. I'm excited to be here. We have a, a good topic for today, one I've spoke a couple times over the, the winter about and one that I think is a hot topic for for people right now as well. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say it's been coming up a lot lately. Um, this, this idea of recovery, I think as the weather gets better and as we're spending more time outside, I know we've both been I think the treadmill is starting to collect dust now. Yeah, it's becoming that uh, clothes hanging type yeah, device. Yeah. yeah, it's in the back of my Zoom uh, talks as well. So yeah, it's, it's like a setting. It's sort of, I think mm-hmm. about it as my background. Your background. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, on, before we get into the topic of recovery, I'm going to say I had a pretty good, pretty solid run week. I'm you feeling had a peak. So you're, you're in need good. of recovery perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still have a few miles to go before peak. I recover. We should but finish that peak distance. You ran the most distance you've run. Yes. So you've been building up very slowly over many years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were just talking about this the other day. It's funny. I'm, my, my coach who we've had on the podcast, David Roche, had shifted me almost a year ago now, actually probably a year ago now, from time to mileage. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said it was kind of sneaky because it went from 60, like the average or sort of my normal runs on the weekdays were like 60 minutes and then he like kicked it to eight miles which is like just a little over 60 minutes but it wasn't he didn't change the time changed right. it to miles so it was a very sneaky way to kind of up that and i actually have david and megan's book the, the happy runner right yep uh on my to re-reread list i try and go through you know a book or two a month that i have in stock that mm-hmm. i've read before so it's on my list here both a bit with the the world we're living in, you know, trying to, they're, they're very positive mindset. I guess the book's called the happy runner. It's, it's in the name. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's a good reminder for me as a coach, as an athlete right now. So if you haven't read it or you have it on your bookshelf, I recommend that for, what is this? This is April, your April reading book club. It's actually funny. I I've heard people say, and I think I agree with them a hundred percent that the happy runner, you know, if you've ever talked to David or Megan, which we have, like the happy runner sounds like them. Like you can hear them reading it out loud to you. And we've actually heard the same for our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, uh, which I actually think is like one of the best compliments ever. When someone says as they're reading it, they can just hear your voice saying the words. I guess it depends whether they're okay with my monotone voice or not. I think most of the time they're hearing me read it because most of it uh, is in your pen. Yes. Is in my voice anyway. You were the idea man. I was the hired gun we'll say i think the other reason i like their book it wasn't meant to be an advertisement for their book but there you go it's a good one we'll include amazon links <laughs> in the show notes so head um, right over there. for sure we will and but i think it's this idea of being a happy athlete is, is pretty central to this idea of recovery and what we're going to talk about are today. you back to smiley racing again uh i don't know have we talked about that maybe we did i guess it is yeah smiley racing so the idea of recovery and just this idea of being okay with taking off days, I think is, is almost where I would like to start. Is that where you wanted to start? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. 
So we, we're, you know, it's sort of this, like, why would we take it? And it's, as athletes, I think in principle, most people nod along, you know, when I say it's important to take off days, we take off days so we recover. But then in practice, it's actually very hard, you know, whether you, you know, are trying to burn calories, you're trying to like, you know, sneak in the training because you have a window to train. It's really sunny out. It, it can be very hard to actually take an off day or a recovery day. And we'll talk about the differences and validity of both of those. Validity. Um, <laughs> no, especially right now, like as the weather is starting to get nicer, you probably have more friends who are like heading out on rides or runs together and, you know, inviting you along. I know for me on Friday, there was a, a 10K with a couple of people that I could have gone out and done. And, you know, I know I would have had a good time hanging out with them, but I mean, A, I had work, but B, I didn't have that on my schedule. I had a four mile, like super easy run to get ready for a 20 miler on Saturday. So, you know, it's it's hard to turn down these these chances to get outside when it's nice out, to hang out with friends. Uh, yeah, so I definitely feel that, but I've also realized that it is much more important to prioritize the actual recovery. You probably get away with one of those, right? We can add a little bit of load. I, I always say like, you know, it, it's this gamble between embracing, you know, the chance to run with people or in a specific area or with a specific weather conditions, right? Like finally we can mountain bike after months of not mountain biking. Are you actually going to skip that opportunity? Um, you know, you got to be careful, but a, if that day's quality is going to be very poor because you're tired from, you know, you did intervals the day before and it was already really hard. Are you going to go out and ride mountain bikes moderately hard and be fatigued and slow and maybe injure yourself we get into central nervous system fatigue where your reaction slower we see this a lot of times after a big mountain bike race they go out because they're in some great destination they want to embrace the context and then people end up crashing and it's like it's because you're completely drilled <laughs> it's like the classic last run symptom probably i mean syndrome, cent whatever central you call it. <laughs> yeah central nervous fatigue you're sort of like winding down it's the last run that's probably i don't i we should do a literature review of that and see if someone's probably studied that i haven't look ever looked that if up someone but. hasn't could you please <laughs> yeah just like have you been injured on the last run yeah we need to talk and see you know what was your physiological state or try and set people up into that we've had a lot of researchers on the show i think i might send out like a massive email yeah, after well, this it's just like could maybe, someone please again, study we'll have, to, we'll have to give it a, a search there but so that's the idea can we take you know, schedule recovery days is the first check mark. Why do we do that? Again, it's where we make the gains. It's where we rebuild these elements of fatigue. You might be very fatigued me metabolically. I guess we're going to talk about the different types a little bit too. We, we just need to recover something, right? We need to let things recharge and your body adapt, right? We've all seen that curve where we, you know, go deep into the hole of fatigue and then build back up. We had Alex Coates on talking about overtraining, overreaching, um, energy balance. And so this yeah. is the idea, right? So we build back up. And if we don't, if we just keep hammering it, that curve keeps going down into that like <laughs> overtraining. Uh, Where every ride or every run is the exact same. Well, or like, worse. Blah. Eventually it's an injury or an illness mm -hmm. or, or something, right? The, this risk just keeps increasing. Yeah. So now in the when, when you're making a training plan for someone, generally speaking, you work in like one off day or say, say active recovery day, at least one a week, right? That's yeah. And, and when I'm looking at a plan, you know, I do a lot of phone consults now. Um, and, and so that's what I usually, I look at sort of what is our performance like? What is the training load like? This is, could be your TSS or your hours or whatever. Molly just ran whatever it was, 70 miles a week. Okay. So she's training consistently long-term. What are her, you know, mile splits, her kilometer splits, her five Ks, you know, is she actually getting faster? Like the volume people, you know, everyone gets so excited about TSS and training load. 
right? And then, yeah, like just is there a day during the week where she isn't running, mm-hmm. right? And there might be elites. There might be people who, you know, commute to work on their bike or something. So they're like, they're they're moving, but there's this line, I think, where A, all those things I said about performance, are they progressing? This is the individual thing. Like, or are you having, like, are you doing this phone consult because you have injuries and illness and, yeah. and are in a plateau? Well, then this is a thing we're going to have to look at is, is having... And when you started with David, you had two off days. I was actually just going to say, I still almost have two off days. Mm -hmm. I have one day that's completely off of running. And then I have a day that's a short run or a cross training day. Right. And Um, and this is keeping in mind that you're now running 70 plus miles, we'll say. Yeah. A lot. Um, And so four miles for you isn't like, that's really not a ton of load. And there's no, No. you know, you're doing this easy, which we'll talk about, you know, what easy is too. But I think that's actually pretty common. I think the two days off, it sounds scary when you're, you know, an athlete who wants to imp- like, you know, improve performance and everything. But I'd say when you're, I'm maybe kind of pushing it to call myself this, but when you're in that like elite range, but you're still working a full-time job, you still have like a lot of other stressors on your time and stuff. I think the recovery element becomes actually like that much higher compared sure. to, you know, your a actual like professional marathoner or something who only is training it's a lot easier for them to have that like six days where they're doing a lot because they have a lot more time to well and they're chill. usually generally they're going to be younger but yeah if we think about like greg layman's cup there's only training goes into that cup exactly if they're doing it well right so they can also do something like wait until fr- like they train thursday and then they could do you know massage in the morning friday morning and then at 6 p.m before dinner they go do their four mile run or whatever for them it might be 10 miles of running or something but they've waited like over 24 hours right so with the elite sometimes you can get into this like the adaptation can happen so fast Mm -hmm. um you know you can start getting into that where you know six days isn't a big deal with the young kids like this 16 year old 18 year old kids like they just bounce back really fast too right so this almost get into the who but yeah, the two days, you know, that gets into, you asked about programming. I still, I just like that high-low off. It's just so simple. I wouldn't say I use it like to the rule with every person, but it's this idea that you take an off day, Monday. Tuesday, you go really hard. That could be strength training in the morning or evening, whatever you like. Some intervals, harder bike ride, right? And that's getting that scheduled is tough. So there's exceptions to that rule. That's sort of like the way I like to do it. it takes some motivation to do double day too. Then we do a longer ride Wednesday. This is classic long ride Wednesday. It's in every Joe Friel training book, right? And then Thursday, this is where it gets tricky, is Thursday might be an off day in this case. Right. Then Friday might be hard, Saturday long, Sunday might be off then, Monday hard, right? And then you'd rotate through. If people don't like that because that just violated your typical Joe Friel week, your normal training week. Well, and I mean, it's just not realistic for people who have a nine to five and need to set up childcare and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. So in that case, you know, we might do Friday hard. Saturday might be like a moderate type group ride, hilly ride. Sunday might be a long ride or or some variation. Like you often do your long run Saturday. And then a long-ish run on Sunday. But a little more chill. Yeah. 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 So there's exceptions, right? And the Joe Friel books would do like, t- your classic is like Tuesday hard, Wednesday long-ish endurance, and then Thursday more like maybe moderate or, or hard. Again, if you recover faster, it could be another hard day. But again, that gets trickier. It's getting late in the week. Either way, just ensuring that there is some 
off time in the week there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, so the next thing we need to talk about here is what exactly is recovery? Because I think it's like this, this very open-ended idea that everyone kind of is aware of. We need, we need to recover. Okay, great. But I think we, we sort of put it into three buckets here as far as we have neuromuscular recovery and metabolic recovery and the one I added, which is the brain and emotional recovery. And I yeah, guess just I, I'm going to even say there's, there's life recovery where you're catching up on all of the things that you've neglected to do during the week, like vacuuming or, you know, helping kids with homework or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And that can get tricky too, because that is the day that maybe you'd fill the normal time you'd be training with these, you know, getting on top of the other stuff, the preparation and so forth. But then that does get tricky because that stuff can be fatiguing too, right? So mm-hmm. it might not, again, that's why you want to assess like what is the best day for your recovery day. I've had a lot of clients without races right now. They're taking Sunday recovery days or Saturday recovery days to spend time with their family, yeah. have a day where they're not at work, drilled at work, you know, but then also can just like sit on their couch or sit on their porch and, you know, just, you know, again, they cut the lawn or something. It's not that they're, we're not talking about sitting in your compression boots, like, you know, laying on your bed, like not doing anything all day, uh, but just, you know, being a normal person is sort of how I phrase that. No, it's funny. Actually, I remember in 2019, you had a pretty big race schedule as far as like you were just doing more of the Ontario Cups and just more races. And we had more commitments on weekends, clinics and camps and stuff like that. And I remember asking David to switch my long run schedule. So I had Saturday, Sunday as like a recovery day and a light day. And it was weird. It was really hard to get used to, and it took more planning, I'd say, to fit it in. You can go to things like garage sales and stuff. Oh, yeah. I always, driving to races, I used to always just, like, there'd be all these garage sales, and people were out just walking or going to coffee. And I'm driving to a race, and I'd be like, I feel like people are doing other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Other stuff (laughs) happens on the weekends. Weird. So that's an option. That's, you know, again, some of these irregular schedules, you'll see sometimes with the what is i guess that's that's the joe book the fast after 50 right um so it's a great book too and he talks more about like a nine day week or you know within a two week span trying to get in you know all the workouts you like an 18 year old would do in one week you sort of space those out so you have one long workout you know two to three hard workouts and then a bunch of recovery days and light days right Mm -hmm. um so that's again some of that periodization but you're talking about these different types of fatigue yeah. So can you actually maybe just touch on neuromuscular and metabolic? Yeah. And I, I don't think I'll even do these justice, honestly, but I, I think about neuromuscular as when you go really hard. So this could be a deadlift, just one strong deadlift could just <laughs> lay you up and you just, you don't feel right. Right. Like it's when a good hard workout when, you know, I, I just did a bunch of 30 thirties the other day with some sprints and, you know, or you do a big hard, your test day, um, just something that's really intense. That's going to get the heart rate really high but there's like this just fatigue to it, right? You could get this, again, strength training, you'd see something in the neuromuscular. So we're talking nervous system, we're talking maybe some muscular system. And and it just, it takes a while for that to recover. So this is really anything that's intense, right? And intense, it could be a really well executed, hard strength training session. But this is that like muscular soreness, that like feeling of just muscular fatigue. It could be, and you could divide these into be muscular, you know, on their own too, right? You could certainly just have like a, like if you run down a hill or something, right? This is neuromuscular, but that's the idea. So that's intensity. You said metabolic. I I would group that more in that long ride. Again, you've depleted glycogen. You know, there's some sort of just, you're going to be fatigued the next day, right? You're, you're just depleted. Right, right. And then what was your third one? 
Uh, that was the more emotional. More psychological even, yeah. I mean, I have one client he's down training and it's super windy. It's warmer down there in sort of southwestern Ontario. And he, so he went there to sort of get a bit better weather. But it's just this really flat sort of farmland area between a bunch of water, right? All the Great Lakes are there. And so it just gale force winds, right? And that's it grates on you, right? If you're training in the rain all the time. So that's the way I think about it too is sometimes it's like you just don't want to go back out the door, Right. So this is this could be psychological. It could be the demands of racing, right, are, are psychological, right? It, it, a really good race is so intense that you're just tapped out. You can't focus anymore. Right. And that's good. That's what we want. And, and I would say with a good interval session, right, it takes a lot of focus. Some of these interval sessions to time it, to organize it, to keep telling yourself to push. Yeah. We were just talking with a friend even about the idea of you know, people who are getting up and doing these really hard workouts or really long workouts and then going to work and doing that like every day. And I said, I don't actually like comprehend how someone can then handle the demands of work during the day. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> both emotion. I feel like I'd be snapping. Actually, no, I remember I did do this because I, when I was working at Bicycling Magazine in Emmaus um, for a few months, I was actually in the office and I'd get up and I'd work my other job at like 5 a.m. and then I'd go in and I, and I would swim with people at the office because we had a pool nearby that we were allowed to use and then I'd go into work and I remember like napping under my desk during my lunch hour because I was just so depleted and so cracked that was not a great time for me from a recovery it's standpoint probably a time to you know hustle but we got to just be careful how long the hustle period goes on that one at least yeah i knew it had a time limit like i knew when i was going to be done at the office mm-hmm. not like time of day like i knew i was it only was there contract. for 10 weeks right. yeah right yeah and that's you know we've all been there right it's whatever you know your big project at work or you know the mm-hmm. and dan john talks about you know this is the the bus bench period where we're hustling before a race right you're really trying to like push your limits a little bit right yeah. and and generally try and back off some of the other things coming into our our cup, so to speak, is just, you know, work backs say, off. The Greg Lehman cup is really. Yeah, that would be ideal to here. try and reduce, again, the chances that you're pushing too deep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then. So, yeah, I think that I think that was that psychological. Was yep. Yeah. And then the last thing I want to get into before the how is the who. Because, you know, recovery is going to look different for every person. We sort of touched on the elite, like the pointy end of the stick. But there's also the people who are just getting into the sport, who are, you know, newer to training, newer to working out or exercise in general. So the people for whom like riding or running, they only really have like the one pace, we'll say. Sure. Yeah. And that's all they have. Like if they're if they're running or they're pedaling, it's it's work. Yeah. Right. There isn't there isn't gears, so to speak. But I think like the tendency is to be like, okay, so I'm I'm riding an hour a day, six days a week, and then I'll take a recovery ride of 30 minutes on the seventh day. Or just an hour. Yeah. Just an hour every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's there's some pros and cons to it. Do you want to just kind of dive into that a little bit? Well, I like I I think of we did a post um, where I talked about when you're a beginner, basically you just need to do it frequently. Try and keep gradually increasing your frequency that's really all that matters like when i always when someone's just starting and they're talking about zones and intensity and long and it just it doesn't matter just try and get out the door right like you're going to get better irregardless of what you do right there's there's things you could avoid like you don't want to go you know again too much too soon but like within reason just get out and enjoy it have fun mix it up so for those people 
you know, it doesn't really, the intensity isn't so important, right? They'll probably self-regulate even, right? They're going to start getting saddle sores or knee pain or they're just tired. So mm-hmm. they might not go, right? And that's really the danger is that they go too hard on a Sunday and then they don't do it for a week. So they've given up on consistency or frequency, right? So for them, I would say that you'd be better to do a walk, you know, or, or a little bit of yoga or stretching, you know, one or two days a week just to keep your routine. And that's part of the reason I think we get as, as an endurance athletes, especially addicted, we'll say to that training and we have to get out is like, it is like, it's a routine that you do not want to give up. You don't want to you know, give, especially in the early days. Well, even still, I think once you, maybe not once you've been doing it for years too, right. It's just so ingrained that like every day you're doing this thing. So there's, there's a lot wrapped up in that. So I think trying to just do something else. Cause I think, again, we're trying to offload some of this pressure on the saddle regions, right? Like what's the effect of having a saddle, you know, giving you a bunch of pressure right up there. Uh, every day for years, right? So this is part of, you know, we're thinking about tissue recovery, right? Trying mm-hmm. to avoid any issues long-term or or in the short-term, saddle sores and so forth. And then where are we going from there? Uh, well, the other thing is, as as a newer cyclist, if you are doing that same pace every single day for an hour a day, could you maybe think about, like, on, say, Sunday, maybe pushing your pace just a little bit harder or like doing a couple, like we'll say fart lick intervals. So there's like, or a hilly route. Yeah. Something like that. So you have sort of that reason to take Monday as your, your actual off day or do that walk that day uh, to kind of start easing you into a training thing. Cause I think that's where we start shifting between training and exercising. Like exercising is the person who goes out for an hour a day and does the exact same thing like day in, day out with sort of that more eye toward calorie burning, like, Calorie burning or health, you could say, right? And then, you know, fitness is fit for a task. So we're getting better at something, right? When you're exercising, you actually don't want to, you just want to burn calories. You want to be as inefficient as you can. That's why I love cross-country skiing. Yeah. And and Dan, John talks about like kettlebell swings and, and, you know, so forth. And and it probably doesn't even matter what you're talking about because, you know, at some point you're going to get better at kettlebell swings too. And then some of that like inefficiency is going to be lost, right? You'll burn less calories for one kettlebell swing, right? And you just keep getting better at it. Uh, but the idea being that, you know, at some point we're moving towards, we want to be faster on a, on a bike and that involves skills and it involves again, some sort of focus to it. Right. So at that point you're probably becoming intermediate, which means that now we're talking about volume. So now we have to start thinking about how can we get a couple long rides, longer rides into our week. Mm -hmm. Right. And then as you say, Sunday should, you know, generally people go a little longer, which then should mean that on Monday you're going to take a lighter day, right? Mm-hmm. To let your body recover. We're talking about energy balance again with Alex there a couple episodes ago. It's a day where instead of being just depleted, your body is able to build itself back up and we're avoiding some of those long-term issues, right? But then also becoming stronger. Your body's able to carry more energy and adapt any of these aerobic things so that you're more efficient on a bicycle. So that's that. And then we'll just touch quickly. So that's, so for those people, yeah, we're just going to take a Monday, probably off day and just make sure that that volume's gradually coming up. Right. And, and I think we, we haven't touched quite on this, but I guess it's related is because we're looking at volume. If we tried to keep going with that, like hour every day, there's sort of this, the families like, Hey, okay, you're gone an hour every day. You can't be gone three hours on Sunday as well. So then you get in this thing, well, we're never riding long. Right. So this gets into that. Can we move some of this? Um, training around, renegotiate with the family. Maybe I'll be there Monday and Friday because I'm taking those as off days so that then Saturday and or Sunday I can get out 
long, we'll say longer than 90 minutes is volume. Um, but a long ride, right? Whatever that means for right. you, you're, you're shifting some, and this isn't always possible, but this is the idea of like, now the big thing is like, can my legs be moving for extended periods? And, and I've already adapted to the hour a day mm-hmm. plan. What am I going to do now? Right. We're right. six weeks in, you're already, you can do that. You did it. Right. Right. And then finally you get into the advanced expert, which you were talking about, right? Where you, you said you phrased it as the recovery is important when you're an expert, right? Yeah. You've been doing volume for a while and it's hard to add more volume and you're sort of starting to see. So now I would phrase that as the intensity now is the most important thing for an expert. Not that you aren't doing your 70 miles, but it's that you need to be able to slowly you build up to this volume this expert level volume, but while doing that, you also need to fit in intensity that is triggering enough adaptation. So enough intensity, hard enough intensity that you're triggering the stimulus to Mm -hmm. get better. Now, if you steal and you say Friday, I'm going to just go out for this group ride and then I'll still do my interval Saturday, like the coach put in, what, what is the result of that? You train Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Friday was a group ride that you added after the Thursday intervals. And then Saturday, the coach had intervals in. What What is that going to look It's going to look like a moderate crummy ride. Yeah, it might exactly. feel hard. <laughs> it probably will. Right. But then you're probably going to not get hit the intensity, right, that you yeah. could have. Mm-hmm. And then the stimulus isn't as great. So now you're going to be, you know, we'll call you a low level expert. You're not going to get to the high level expert. Right. And that's that's the thing that that's the responsibility, I guess, being an expert is that we have to take the recovery day to allow for that full. I, I don't, honestly, I find it the, the the snappiness for sure, but I find it's the motivation. If I take the recovery day, I don't want to say I feel guilty, but let's say I feel guilty. So then I just hold off, hold off, hold off. And then Saturday, I'm just like out the door and I just want to smash it. Yep. Right. And maybe that's not a healthy way to look at it. You were thinking about it like almost like a makeup. But that's the why, right? Is like we need to be super hungry because it's probably not like I don't like I wouldn't say I've, I've, I've grown to like it, right? But yeah, that's the idea. Yeah. So that's I think that framework's useful for the 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 what the the recovery might look like and why. Yeah. Okay. Now let's talk a little bit about the how. Uh, so the big question is just like should cyclists even be doing recovery rides? Um, and I mean, I think I maybe just want to say if, First, the problem I've had with recovery rides is that often when I've done recovery rides, they've tended to be like, a, for example, like, oh, I'm going to spin with Peter and Robert to, you know, from Oxnard to Ventura when we were down in California for a training camp. Now, the thing is, Peter and Robert were having a recovery ride. This was a recovery spin for them. You know, 45 minutes, super casual. Except the problem is their 45 minute recovery spin is my 45 minute, like we're going to say high end endurance effort that I was trying very hard to pretend was super casual. Um, That is not actually recovery for me. That was actually probably one of the harder rides that I can remember doing Mm -hmm. in California. Yeah. And then it's also, so then you're getting to, again, I have clients who will be, oh, this is recovery. Because maybe they did 45 minutes and then they stopped for an hour at a coffee shop and then 45 minutes home, right? So it's sort of getting into this, well, what was that, right? Because endurance is generally longer and steady. Yeah, but you've done... It doesn't usually have a snack break in the middle of two 45-minute chunks. But then 
you were you're like motor pacing essentially yeah yeah (laughs) right and so there's a mental stress of trying to stay on the wheel and those little micro surges to get back on the wheel and some idiot that keeps hopping up on curbs just like it's no big deal group riding requires again when we're thinking about sort of just like mental stimulation you're the idiot (laughs) i get it and yeah, so it, it's this tricky thing. So then what do you do? I mean, you could spin on your own. You could say you're going to do an endurance ride and just do an endurance ride and then meet at the coffee shop and, and get that motor pacing home or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's really trying to think what are the things in your, your environment, your context that are going to be beneficial and trying to move your week around those a little mm-hmm. bit, right? And, and for you, it might be, oh, all of a sudden, you know, I hopped on this motor pacing and it seemed like a good thing I don't usually get access to. And then Saturday, the day after, might have had to be easier or something. Mm-hmm. Like I think or, or off, I guess is the... A relative blanket statement, but any kind of group ride or run is probably not going to be a recovery. Like you have to have a group that is very confident and comfortable Mm-hmm. like to be willing to do that or you need to be jumping into a group that is like much lower level than you like a super beginner like maybe you could go in with the ultra beginner group and soft pedal with them and there's probably road athletes who are fit enough and then good enough in a group and the group enough would, would be big enough like and if it is a soft pedal group and you actually can sit in the back of a group and not be stressed then you're probably fine but it, it's just that tricky tricky balance right and you i think you were going to for cyclists we're looking at where are the saddle sores at are you sick of being on your bike because you could just walk to a coffee shop or something right take the bus whatever mm-hmm. um but that's really the thing is like are we robbing from motivation from fuel storage from saddle sores you know tissue um tolerance we'll say yeah and then saturday sunday are just not what they could have been mm-hmm. exactly right? was it worth it for that one day yeah that 45 minute spin I think the other thing that a lot of people mess up and I'll put myself in this is equating recovery pace with endurance pace. Mm-hmm. And I know he said like new people, you don't really like even touching on zones, but for, you know, your, your people who've been training for a while, this is an important distinction. I think so because you're, when you're doing your endurance rides, you know, you can define endurance however you like, you know, are you making progress? Yes, no. Uh, as far as whether your, your endurance definition is working for you, but you know, it was, I, I like 65 to 75% of max heart rate. That's pretty common. Something in that range, right? Now, talk test, where would that put you? Oh, I mean, it should match, right? The talk test, usually when you're starting to violate your talk test, you know, you're starting to get to the top of that, what we might call zone two. Certainly, it's going to be in that around 75%. So endurance pace is that, like, you can have a conversation, but it's maybe slightly shorter sentences, Maybe you're uh, you should be able. That's conversational pace. Yeah, like you should be able. I would say people would agree with just even nose breathing. Like you should be able to put water in your mouth and basically, like it's pretty. It's not very fast for most people. So how do you dial down to recovery pace then? So that would be under that, right? So it, it's like really soft pedaling. I think a lot of people would be shocked at what their actual recovery pace should be on the bike because well, and this feel gets into like so slow. You, you see this more obviously with running but you can't probably run. Like if you looked at the zones for most people, and this I push people on this a lot, that it's, you know, the, the quote unquote endurance pace is what, you know, someone who's running sub 25 Ks, like if you plug it into the calculator, like if you want to know your zones, like go find a calculator you like, plug it in and then see like, is that how fast you're running? Cause I guarantee you every run I ever see is, you know, between 430 and 530 Ks say, which is pretty fast. 
like I'm pretty sure that's those are the zones. Don't quote me on this, but like you're you're pushing to like a, a 20 minute 5K or better. Not at 4:30s. Mm-hmm. That would be like the top of the zone. That's not a 20 minute 5K though. No, 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 no. These are the zones. Okay. It's not the pace to get you to the 5K. Sorry, very confused. So you base it, right? It's sort of like in your thresholds, right? So the threshold running. Okay. So f- yeah, it wouldn't even necessarily. Some of them use 5K. Some of them use 10K. Some of them use 40 minutes, whatever. Running's right. not okay. quite as clean, maybe. All that to say, like, fi- you figure out your zones, and then are you running in your endurance zones? For a lot of people, the actual, in, you know, recovery zone is is essentially walking, right? At some point, you know, what's your miles per hour when you're essentially going to just start walking, right? Like, it gets clunky running, what? 12 yeah i was gonna say 12 minute miles right, right so all that to say it's 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 a slow pace in the cycling you'll see like it's like your your small ring if you still have rings you know you're like grinding gearing and just spinning you know it would but be like a kid you could ride with a kid essentially like it's not it's, yeah you know soft pedal and it's funny because i think that's maybe the difference between like runners and cyclists most runners i know actually do know to take at least a day off in the week mm-hmm. or like just naturally do it because i think they recognize that it's really hard to do a proper like legitimate recovery run and this again might not be the engine. This might be the chassis, which is why, right? So the this we talk about this neuromuscular muscular, right? You're you're starting to feel your muscles are just you're not springy. That's how I feel running. Mm. It's like you just don't have the bounce that you mm-hmm. do when you're recovered, right? So with, you're right with runners, it's much more obvious. And and again, this might be where they might do a, a short spin on a bike, just nice and easy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know if we, we don't really need to go too deep into zones or anything, but no. but I think for for cyclists, it's a great exercise to be like, can you ride at say sixty percent or under of max heart? And what does that feel like? And what does the breathing feel like? And try the weird thing with the water in your mouth and like, because that would be a great time to tr- play around with this nose breathing. Everyone's getting cooked out on breathing again, as fa- fads come and go. It's coming back, I guess. Yeah, nose breathing is in right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, do that try you could try it by wattage if you're a wattage person again it's about the same wattage right so it's around i think they pin it at 57 percent of, of ftp if you want to be precise but say under 60 percent and it's not going to be very just soft pedal right mm-hmm. so it's maybe a good exercise just to feel how light that is and what that looks like yeah yeah okay and once you figured that out i'm gonna make the i guess as consummate athletes here we're gonna make the pitch for taking a day off your bike and maybe doing some other active recovery instead. I think so. This would be where you might go do like a light paddle. A lot of people like like paddle boarding or, or something. And you're, you're thinking about this more, not as training. Like, I think that's the other thing is it should be playful, you know, fun enjoyment. It should be about the conversation or, and trying to shift that focus away again. Cause our focus is so finite, right? Mm-hmm. It's limited. And that can be, you know, as simple as a walk or a hike you could go to a yoga class. You could go for a swim. Like, mm-hmm. There's a lot Something of great options. Different, I think, is a, a very good idea. I think it's a great, you know, when we're thinking about balancing. I, I do like walking because it's, you know, pretty accessible. It doesn't take a lot of extra gear. You can do it in your house if you need to, if you're in a full lockdown. We're also very lucky that we kind of walk a lot of our errands. So our recovery mm-hmm. day tends to be like go on a long walk and do our do errands. groceries, drop something off, go see someone. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a dog, you know. The dogs, I, I always I have clients. How many dogs do you have? You have three dogs. <laughs> three walks I think in we a day. can walk more. Uh, but I also find, again, when we're thinking about flexibility, if I if we're walking a lot, like it ebbs and flows as we get busier and I ride more and whatever, and I try and stay on top of that. But if I'm walking, I find I don't need to do nearly the rolling and the, 
you know, mm-hmm. massage ball and, you know, the, the urge to stretch. It's just not there. Right. So yeah. as far as active recovery, I think it's a great argument. And what I do with clients is I say, put on your heart rate strap. And especially the ones that I would group into that, you know, we talked about frequency and um, volume. So we'll say our, our, our novice and our intermediate. The heart rate is up, you know, if not, for sure. if not an endurance, it's certainly well into the recovery zone. Yeah. And so it's like, well, why, why not just enjoy that break and that simplicity? You can do this while you're on a Zoom call. Oh my gosh. And I mean, for like, as far as for desk people or people who work at desks, the desk, people. the desk people, um, or in my case, the couch, <laughs> the people. latest novel from Molly Herford, yeah, the, desk, the people. desk people, uh, the posture break you get from walking sure. and for cyclists too, right? Like 100%. cycling is exactly the same posture, actually worse. It's the desk what you have at your yeah. desk. Yeah. So. so running challenges that hip goes behind the arm, the shoulder goes behind. So this is extension. Like walking Very good lets for you, you actually like yeah. look up, which yeah. is just fantastic. Eyes have to focus into the distance. Also mm. good for vision. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that maybe we're going to say don't do on your off day is like vicious strength training, which is a thing that people kind of naturally fall into is like, ah, oh, I'm off the bike today. I have an extra hour. I'm going to use that for my strength training. I, I wouldn't be okay with vicious strength training, but I think it would correct itself quickly if it was, you know, we'll say true, you know, max strength, lower rep, higher load. You, you'd, you wouldn't be able to lift the load or, or you'd stop making progress or you'd find like the day after, like, obviously you were tired. It's more the, where do you put the core and the strength in the week? And then cyclists will always put it on the Monday, Friday, which are their off days. And so you have this odd, I guess it's philosophical, but it's just at some point, no day is a reco- like easy, but then also yeah. I, I don't like that the strength is never challenging, Mm-hmm. right like are we is something increasing every week are we obeying the loads you know or are we still just stuck trying to do push-ups trying to you know lifting five pound weights right right and at some point like why are we not progressing something right which is the point of every training right but strength training especially like it should be like we're ticking along like this week i did a bit more reps this week i did a bit more loads an extra set different exercise more range of motion something has to to grow mm-hmm. right so if we're not growing then could we prioritize strength or you know we like our 10 minutes most mornings strength like maybe that's a better use of time right and that's a lot of these recovery things get back to that use of time if you have the time to go ride can you just ride or mm-hmm. can we shift that again we talked about the saturday sunday like renegotiation re reorganization of training time. Mm-hmm. So all that to say, sort of think through what you want out of your recovery. What's going to feel good for you? What's going to make you feel motivated to get back on the bike or get out on your run the day after? Um, and just kind of play with it, see what works. And we actually do have an article up uh, from last week that was, you know, why you need to prioritize recovery when things are going well. Right. And this is a huge thing, like especially right now without racing for a lot of people on the calendar or racing is still pretty far away if there is racing on the calendar um, or we're just so out of touch with racing because we didn't get to do it last year. So we've now forgotten how to recover. Um, but it's, it's so important that this is built into your, we've been talking about weekly, but you know, there's also then seasonal recovery. So Great like having point. that off season. And I think even on the micro level, there's daily recovery, which is just like making sure you are getting enough sleep, making sure you are like drinking enough water, like eating the right stuff. Like a lot of things can get lumped into this recovery thing. You know, you might not have compression boots or the, the, um, you know, massage gun or whatever, but can you foam roll for a few minutes? Can you, 
you know, even just, you know, do a little bit of yoga every day, sort of adding in those other active recovery. Can you go for a walk even, you know, mm -hmm. post ride? Well, and probably those big rocks are the things, right? Of nutrition, the sleep, stress reduction, which could be breathing, walking, talking to someone, um, you know, even in micro doses, you know, any of these things, right? I don't think any of those other things are at all proven for anything. So you don't need them. Mm -hmm. If you like them, go ahead and use them. Um, yeah. Anything else to add? I think the only idea related then, I'm just thinking about the recovery talk I did, is, is this idea of wanting to speed recovery up, which is, I think, often ill-fated uh, or ill misdirected, right? We have this idea that we need to just scavenge our, all the free radicals by having like our supplements and, uh, yes. and you know, we need our, our boots to get rid of like all the inflammation and we need, you know, all this stuff to try and speed up recovery. We need to take Tylenol to try and like, you know, just no pain, no discomfort, no muscular soreness. We don't want to be ready to go again the next day. But the question is why the whole point of the training was to deplete your glycogen, make yourself a little sore from muscle damage so that your body builds yourself up. And that body build yourself up part is the part that's, you know, getting shortened and short changed. So we, we want to train in an appropriate way so that we are sore or tired or, you know, any of these things that are fatigue and then give ourselves a chance to build up. And it's it's embracing that as like, that's the thing that we need, right? We need the muscle to be damaged from the strength training. We get stronger. But if we if we go in ice bath immediately after and take a bunch of vitamins. Right, if we like blunt the stimulus as fast as we can. Indeed, you're blunting the stimulus, right? So you might recover, I, I don't even know if that's a true statement, but maybe you recover faster or maybe you have numbed the pain. You don't feel anymore. You could reattach an arm if your arm had fell. <laughs> well, with ice. Yeah, for sure. And, but that's, that's the idea is, is trying to just be like, okay, like I am sore for way too many days. Well, maybe the stimulus to start off with, like, maybe that was just a crusher of a ride. So maybe a little less next time, you know, maybe the loads in the gym were just too much. So just a little less, or there could be just like under fueling. Maybe that's a sign or it's just, you just got to give yourself two days to recover from your intensity. Yeah. And, and I, that's, that's good. That's normal. That's fine. Yeah. Well, I always joke with my friend Karen that like if we take a couple of days off running, like instantly, like the six pack is out. You can suddenly see quads again uh, because it's it's pretty amazing what a couple rest days do for bringing down that like inflammation that's been just kind of hanging around. Um, so even if you are in it for the aesthetics and feel the need to exercise every single day. I highly recommend taking a couple of days off every once in a while because I guarantee you will actually like see a difference. I think, I mean, your body should run very happily, right? And that's why I like high-low off is just intensity. You know, again, we get the neuromuscular top end focus fatigue, you know, fun endurance exploration next day, and then an off day to recover the metabolic. You've depleted yourself on the low, the low day. By that time, you know, two two days later, right? You're back. You're ready to hit the intensity. So it works. Mm -hmm. Works beautiful. Great. All right. We talked about a lot of things here. We'll include a bunch of links in the show notes from past episodes like Alex Coates and articles like why you need recovery when things are going well. Oh, and our, our sponsor <laughs> our today, sponsor. Ha Happy Runner, will include the Amazon links for our today's show sponsor. <laughs> excellent. All right, everybody, have an excellent week, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, over at consummateathlete.com.
questions or comments, find us over on Instagram at consummateathlete, and we will see you next week.